0: Hey, Zaka family. Zaka is launching an exclusive membership platform to provide you with career development workshops, coaching, community, and so much more. Go to ZakaConnect.com and sign up to receive information on how to access early registration and perks. Hello, everybody. This is Paul Herman, the Prince of Motivation and host of Zaka Presents My Journey. We're creating this vulnerable and positive platform where you can get inspired and motivated from different leaders from our community. Today, our guest is Damon DeGraf, who is DGI Management founder. Damon, welcome to the show.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Thank you for having
0: me. <laughs> oh, man, it's a pleasure, Damon, to have you on. I, I know we shared a lot of great memories together. And, you know, before we dive into what that lifestyle or, you know, the, the experience, you know, of all the things you have done. Um, I wanted to kind of go a little bit, get a little bit, dive a little deeper into like your past, your childhood, you know, where are you exactly from and brought up?
1: Um, I'm from
0: the beautiful Island of Bermuda. Mm, yep. Yep. That's right. And, and for the listeners, I know
1: a lot of listeners might be wondering where is Bermuda located? So Bermuda is a small Island. We're not, I don't know. For some things, we're considered Caribbean. For some things, we aren't. But our closest point, I want to say it's South Carolina. We're in the kind of like the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, we're about an hour,
0: hour and a half from New York. That's right. I remember those uh, those flights, an hour and a half. You're thinking you're in Florida, but you're in a, a Caribbean island. That's like yeah, one of the beautiful things about being easy. here
1: you can get to Bermuda before you get to the Hamptons on a Friday, you know, so. That is that is true, that is true. Now, what
0: uh, got you in the, the mindset or to get to the move of coming to the US? Like, how did that happen?
1: Um. Well, I've always been into music. I come from a musical family um, from both sides, from my mother and my dad's side. So music was something that um, always became a part, or was a part of me, right? So. Yeah. I think as I got older, um, you know, I went to boarding school when I was 16 to play soccer and my cousin went at the same time. He ended up going on to another school in Alabama and he met a rapper from New York, a guy, you know, I mean, everybody from New York was an aspiring rapper or musician of some sort. Right. Mm -hmm. And me wanting to get into music. I was like, oh, I'll be your manager. right?" I didn't really know anything about the business at that time as much as knowing that I wanted to be in the business. Um, and I remember saying to my mother that this is what I wanted to do. At, um, eventually, when I was in college in Alabama at the time, and my mom said to me, "Like, listen, if you um, come to me with a proposal for what it is that you really want to do, then I'll consider letting you do it. So. <laughs> I was maybe eighteen. No, I was actually like nineteen, actually. Like eighteen mm-hmm. to nineteen. And I researched and I found this school, the Institute of Audio Research. Um, it's based in New York City. Yeah. Gave her this little proposal and um she let me do it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean even to this day, she tells me that she cried letting me go, but I think you know, she wanted to be um, someone of her word, and being that I gave such a compelling and detailed um, kind of presentation for what I wanted to do, I think she could see my passion within that, right? Because I think in in college, I didn't have a real clear understanding for what I wanted to do in life, right? You know, like, I was a creative. I think a lot of times creatives aren't really harnessed or really pushed, to bring that creative side out of them, especially at mm-hmm. that time. So True. I think, you know, I give her the utmost credit for I think allowing me to be like, listen, if you can show me that this is something that you really want, I have to give you the opportunity to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. was my first real, um, you know, my first step into the music business. So it was either between New York or Los Angeles. And I felt like L.A. was a little too far um, because, you know, I still wanted to go come home. Yeah. I could. And I think at that time, um, New York was, I would say, kind of like the heartbeat for the music scene. Right. You know, where I think somewhat I mean, it has changed a lot since then. So New York it was. And that was my first step into New York and right, into the <laughs> music
0: and when you, with that being said, I mean, you talked about your mother, you were talking about a little bit of your upbringing. A lot of the guests that, that I have interviewed, you know, from Korean backgrounds, you know, they are, they, they mentioned that their parents always wanted them to be like a doctor, a lawyer. So when you switch out and you say something about the music game, the industry or fashion, and, you know, the parents are like, ah, uh, don't know. So I see you had that whole proposal in the beginning. Could you talk a little bit more about like your upbringing growing up in Bermuda?
1: Well, I think the same, right? I was raised to um, a middle-class family. My mom was an educator. My dad was pretty much an entrepreneur. Um, you know, they we, like, did well. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, you know, go to private school. Um, you know, I played sports. I, you know, pretty much did what most Caribbean or island kids would do, right? I mm-hmm. think... Um, But I think one of the interesting things was I was also a very, I had a real rebel spirit, right? So in music class, I was the guy who was, you know, I was in the drum course. I would always try to make my own beats and do the things that I thought sounded cool. The teachers would get mad or I would always like question the authority to be like, why? And like, why should I, why can't I do this? Or why is this only this way? And a lot of times... You know, as a young kid, no one, especially in the islands, like it's always like, yes, yes, yes. like you shouldn't be saying or you shouldn't be doing. And for me, I always was like, "But why?" Right? You know what I mean? Like, explain to me why. Like, you just can't say I shouldn't be. And I think in having that spirit, like, it was it ruffled some feathers at times. You know, I know, especially in um, you know, teachers. I think even my parents to some. Mm-hmm, yeah. I thought Like, oh, man, why isn't this kid just doing what we say? Or why is he asking these questions, right? You know, so, but, um, you know, it came to a point where I think eventually you kind of had to understand it in a way, right? Because I think uh-huh. that's what's brought me, I think, to be even who I am today. Because if I wouldn't question or if I didn't take the leap to try and do the things that I wanted for my life, I would have never made the leap. To, to move to New York, right? Because I remember a lot sure. of my friends were like, you're gonna let him go to New York and you're gonna let him do, and you're gonna let him be. And she's kind of like, well, you know, and listen, I give my mom the utmost respect. I mean, regardless if she did this or not, I would do anything for her. But I think, you know, at some points I even get somewhat emotional because I think it is because of her, not just me being here, but because of her- Giving allowed- the opportunity, yeah. To give me that opportunity, right? It's allowed me to be where and who I am today because I think you know a lot of it was I have to do right by it now because mm-hmm. it's a, you know it's what I said that I would and being that rebel and you know asking the questions and like I had to ask myself these questions now, right? And so yeah, that's that's and- I mean to tie both of those back in that was a lot of the upbringing, but then I think even the upbringing that brought me to moving to New York mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of progressing in my career. Now, the
0: listeners, I'm going to let you know, if you know, Damon, one of the first things like you would ever notice is the way he carries himself. In regards, like, And obviously the culture, the Caribbean culture is definitely vi- very vibrant on you. Do you feel like your culture has kind of inspired you to be where you
1: are right now? 100%. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting Um I got honored the other day by the Brooklyn School of Music for being. Um, oh, wow. A, yeah, it it actually was an amazing accomplishment, but it was for, you know, kind of contributing, being someone from Brooklyn who's contributed to the music industry for X amount of years. And I think in part of my speech, I had mentioned where in the early parts it wasn't really considered cool, in a sense, when I first moved. Because I moved here late, I would I want to say, like, 95, I moved to New York. And um, I could be off, but it's somewhere within the, like, mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, you know, it wasn't so cool in certain areas to, let's say let your Caribbean heritage be known, right? Like it was almost Mm. kind of like you would have to go to Flatbush, you would have to go to... Yeah, certain sections. Certain sections to to really, really kind of feel that culture or that energy. But as you know, in coming from the islands or being from the islands, there is a certain level of pride.
0: Yes, yes, that
1: is correct. You know, upbringing... And that's instilled from your grandparents, through your mom, just through the everyday of whatever, right? You know, like it's it's almost like we don't care about celebrity, like we don't care about all these other things to that extent. It's more like, look, like I'm prideful in what and who I am and what I carry and what I put forth to the people. So I think for me... I carried that with me everywhere that I went, right? Like, I never tried to change my accent. I never tried to yank. I never tried to whatever. Like, this was like, look, this is Damon. This is me. And then I think once I really got to even navigate through kind of what those little potholes were of Caribbean might not have been cool at that point, I started to meet other people in that space that were like-minded, like me, that were in the industry. And I think it even gave us kind of more pride and more energy to kind of wave that flag even more, right? You know? mm-hmm. For me, I've never wanted to, you know, even through those times, I might not have been screaming it, but it was always like a part of who I was. And that was in the dress, that was in the talk, you know, I mean, me and you have mm-hmm. been in many places together all around the world. And it's like, we never change our dialect or how we flow or how we move. Mm-hmm. We are, right you know yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the that's the kind of caribbean pride that i think whether we mm-hmm. scream it or whether we kind of hold it close to our chest that's still within our move that's in our talk that's in our walk that's just in yeah. our episode, you know
0: now we are talking about the obviously the industry and you brought up something very important like you you said this is damon and i think that's a very important thing that the listeners uh are gonna you know resonate with is that, you didn't change up you know who you were your culture your accent your your vibrant caribbean vibes for anything like what what helped you stay grounded and not do it because this is the industry, you know, people could go left and right, you know, so like what made you stay grounded? Obviously, your mother, you know, giving you that opportunity, you're probably like, wait, hold up, I got to make sure I stay on the right track. But like what else kept you, uh you know, grounded so you didn't make those decisions to kind of like, you know, push that heritage in your culture to the side and kind of be something else that you really weren't.
1: Well, I think it's two. I think one, again, it's my mother because my mother would always say, baby, you can do anything. Like, you're the best. You're, like, the greatest, right? You know, so that level of confidence instilled in me was just, like, in a lot of times, or most times, if not all the time, was, like, they've been, like, you a star, right? You know what I mean? And I always carried myself in that way, right? Whether it was in the background or whether I had to be forceful in what that was, it was always, like, look, like, I'm – Confident in what and who I am. And I'm always going to push that forward, right? You know, like regardless of what room I'm in, regardless of who I'm talking to, what country I'm in, anywhere, like that's what and who I am. But then I think part of that too, I think having to, you know, touching back on the culture is almost like wanting to do and make like our people proud, right? I think it's mm-hmm. a lot of times when, you know, like people don't really understand a lot of times the significance or the impact that people from Caribbean culture or island culture give, right? You know what I mean? Cuz most times they just think, "Oh yeah, you guys like you guys have TV or, you know, they think we're chopping coconuts or, you know, like it's it's such a misconception of what and who we are and not really understanding that, you know, we're some of the most brilliant, confident, smart yeah. Yeah. people in the world, right? You know what I mean? But because, yeah. you know, you don't really understand it or grasp it, I felt like I always had to carry myself in that way because I felt like I wasn't just representing Bermuda. I felt like I was representing all of us in a space. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, that to mm-hmm. me, I still feel that too. I still yeah, yeah. That. You, you climbing up that ladder, so you definitely would feel a,
0: a lot, especially you. You being from Bermuda, Bermuda is very small. Like, how many Bermudians are you finding out in the industry at your level? You know,
1: exactly. I mean, I'm sure if if you ask in the industry ten people who they know from Bermuda. I would say at least nine of them will say me, right? Because <laughs> I just always represented that, right? That's you right. That, that is right. You wore that flag proudly. I'm like, I'm from Bermuda. I just happened to live in New York, right? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I kept that into my conversation, period. Like, it, it was never a question, you know? It was never at any time a question for what I wanted or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who I was.
0: Now I know your mother was very inspirational to you. You know, growing up, like who else was inspirational to you? Do you know, like, was there or was there a moment that kind of inspired you along your journey? That kind of said, like, this is it. Like, this is where I'm going to be. You
1: know, sir. I, I mean, besides my mom, I would have to say probably like Puffy. Mm, okay. okay. Whatever his name is not. I know he had he had multiple names. He has got a bunch of different names, but I think. At that time when I was transitioning to presenting my mom with that proposal, I think he was this young, you know, hungry, eager black man. And this was before I think he had really broke, right? You know what I mean? Because I think that gave a whole nother like kind of boost of energy. But I think justin, like seeing him, I remember um I was in I was in I was in boarding school in um The boarding school college, one of the two, I don't remember, that was a very long time ago. But it was in, but I was in the south, and one of my best friends was in college in Atlanta. And I remember coming down to to go to Freaknik, um, which you know, I'm sure I don't know how many, how old a lot of your listeners are, but you know, that kind of takes us back a notch. But you know, that was like kind of like (laughs) epicenter of southern or Atlanta culture, and I remember seeing.
0: It was like summer jam nowadays.
1: But not even because it was in the streets. Yeah, uh, well, true, true. That that is true. Controlled. Like, Sreaknik was just like, I feel like all of the black colleges and Southern Atlanta people, you know, just folks just coming to this one hub. And I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. But I remember Puffy being there with Biggie and very early. And I remember seeing things like that and wanting to be a manager and a producer. I was just like, wow, like I, I like want to be that guy, Like, you know what I mean? So I would say that was probably besides my mom, like my next biggest inspiration, I would say for wanting to do music and for mm-hmm. really wanting to be in this, um, you know, to be in this field. And Diddy is definitely
0: someone that, you know, a lot of people might look at and, and look for that inspiration because he's been through a lot within his journey. And the fact that he's still going and still evolving, still inspiring and still growing artists from, you know, singers to rappers to like all different. You know, he really is very versatile. So I could see how like you kind of adapted some of those, you know, philosophies and thought process at a young, young age. And, and uh, you know, applied it to where you are right now. Now, obviously, being in the industry. You know, you got to have a lot of goods and some bads. I know you've been doing a lot of grinding in order to get to where you at right now. Like, could you talk a little bit more about, like, how was that grind? And, like, how did it really get started, like, when you hit that ground running? I know you said you were trying to manage that one artist. Was there other things you were doing or was there any other schooling or books you were reading? Things that you, you know, you felt like, I, I these are some tools and resources that I need to do if I want to be in this game.
1: So interesting story. I um so I went to the Institute of Audio Research, as I mentioned, and um I kind of flew through it, right? It was um because it was what I wanted, right? You know? Um and I think touching back to and I'm sure you'll touch back on this at some point, but touching back on supporting or giving um kind of power to creatives to kind of harness and allow them to be, right? Because I think I was in college for two years, kind of, you know, not really wanting to be there because that wasn't really for me, right? You know what I mean? I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I was playing around. I got into doing um, a program that I really wanted to do and be a part of. And I just excelled, right? I just blossomed and I really just became like everything I feel that I was supposed to be coming out of that. I got an internship at, um, at ASCAP. So ASCAP mm-hmm. is a performance rights organization. It's ASCAP, it's BMI, it's CSEC. And, um, you know, I interned for like six months, right? But coming from the island sometimes, there's this mentality of things just happen, right? It was kind of like, yeah, well, I interned for six months. After six months, you give me a job, right? You know? True, true. Was, there was no job. Um, I interned for another three months. There was no job. And they were kind of like, well, you got to go, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's time for the next ones. And I was kind of like, it was really a very, I think like that for me was kind of like a huge turning point in my life because I really got to understand that no one is giving you anything, right? Right. No matter what you think you should deserve, no one's really giving you anything. I had to work for that position because there were, let's say, easily 100 other people that would want that same job. And I'm coming into wanting to be in a business where I knew no one, right? Like I had no friends that could give me an in. I had no, my dad worked with the head of the company. I had no, you know, so-and-so went to college with so-and-so. This was all, Damon wanted to move to New York to make it in the music business. And these were the hard lessons that I had to learn to become who I am today, right? So I think coming out of that, it kind of reshaped my thinking completely because I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait. I just don't get a job, like you know what I mean. Like I'm thinking, like
0: especially about- when you you working hard too. You're like, look, I, I really love what I'm
1: doing, and I'm assuming you're gonna want to hire me after this. One hundred percent. I'm assuming that you're gonna make it whatever. And who knows? Anything might have and might have happened. The head of the company's best friend's daughter might have. Like you know, listen. That's the world that we live in. So yeah. True. 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 Horrific. It's not what
0: you it's not what you know, it's who
1: you know. So who knows what that who that person was. It's that too. But then I think for me it was also the understanding of the game, right? Because mm. I didn't really have a real understanding for how those pieces connected, even to think about what you just said. I'm just like, yo, I want to be in the music business. I know what I'm doing, I think. So like you should hire me. Didn't happen. So out of that, I um I just started kind of hitting the unpavement, right? You know, so I think luckily I was able to get this book. They had this book at SCAT, which pretty much had every label listed in it. I don't, I don't think they do it anymore because everything's digital. But it was kind of like this pamphlet. I wish I actually still had it. Um, but you can look and see from the head of the company to a r to marketing to promotion, anything. I wanted to be an a because, again, I still didn't know the game. I just knew that that sounded like a coveted position, and that's what Puffy was. So that's who I mm-hmm. wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember calling and sending resumes to this thing on a regular basis. Like, my girlfriend at, at, at the time, like, I would have her faxing. because That's when faxes were in. Yeah big, like, thing. yeah, big thing, yeah. So, you know, this is 90s, right? And I remember nobody would call me back. Or nobody would answer because, again, I'm one out of, I said a hundred before, but this could be one out of a thousand and more, right, that want to be in the music business. And I remember um, I got this opportunity. It was this girl that I was dating from New Orleans, and her roommate was doing a book like a celebrity booklet for the Soul train music awards but throughout this whole time right i'm damon the music guy right i never said anything different i'm in the music business right you know what i mean like that was my spiel right you know i guess it was a fake it till you make it in that sense but that was always my conversation for i'm in the music business right whatever i had this booklet I thought I could get to anybody because I had their booklet. So she said, oh, do this with me. Help me sell ads for this music booklet because, you know, that was, I was like, great, I'll do it. I have this book. I don't think I sold one ad, (laughs) but the hustle brought me to the opportunity that changed my life. Um, I ended up calling a company by the name of Chiba Sound, and Chiva Sound, at the time, was a subsidiary of Virgin Records. And they had D'Angelo, they had Mark Ronson, they had a girl, Nika Custer, They had um, this group, As You Are, which was Jamara Kwai's bass player. And it was owned by a Black man, God rest his soul, this guy named Dominic Trenere. And um, I remember Charles Wright was his general manager at the time. And Charles kind of gave me an opportunity to give my spiel, right? Most of the other music business people wouldn't say anything, right? You know, it's like, whatever, we don't want to do it. And he's like, look, we're not going to buy ads. But I was like, oh, well, are you looking for interns? Are you looking for jobs? He's like, well, we're looking for interns. Do you want to come in and interview? Came in and interviewed. um, Didn't get the job, right? So I'm back on the hustle. Moving, shaking, blah, blah, blah. I end up getting an R assistant job with Dino DeValier and Jocelyn Cooper. And this was at Universal Records. So this was when Nelly and Cash Money and all these guys were like hotter than fish grease, right? So in my eyes, I thought I had made it. I got the job that I wanted, right? But at the same time, I also had my groups that I'm managing and you know, I'm First day on like the job, I'm moving and shaking. I'm hitting the floors. I'm trying to get my groups off, right? Which was a no-no. But I'm thinking this was my one opportunity. I've tried to get to this space. I made it. The next day I got a call and they're like, oh, don't come back to work, right? Quiet yeah. after, after, a, after a day, right? Look, I'm, yeah. crushed. I'm crushed. But at the same time, when I look back on, you know, kind of everything that happened for me after that, all of these things were learning experiences that I had to go through to be able to get to the point to be my own boss and be the man that I am today, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. after that, you know, because I needed the disappointment, I needed the heartache, I needed to kind of get into this hustle mode of understanding that nothing is given to me so when the opportunity is presented for myself, I treat it in that same way, right? Or I've had the hardship or things haven't been really given to me easy. So when it is my time, it's my time to know what I need to do because it's my time. Like, you know what I mean? And I think mm. after that, I um, I ended up calling Charles back randomly one day. I was like, hey, man, just checking in, you know, seeing if you guys need anybody. And he's like, you want an internship? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, come here. Today, to be honest, I don't even think that I showered. And at this point, I was living way out in Canarsie, so I'm taking a dollar van um, up to Utica Avenue, or um, from Utica up to Eastern Parkway, getting on the four, and then I think I had to go into. I think their offices were on like 23rd and like Lexington or somewhere around. Right, mm-hmm. one and one of, and that was my beginning, you know. And I think that was what really started it for me because I think, um, you know, was that time. Yes. You know, you said a lot of great,
0: first off, you said a lot of great, you dropped a lot of gems right there. I think um, something that, you know, resonated with me is the the persistence. Like when you get people firing you, you got people, you know, constantly feel like they're delaying your process. You, you have, you seem from the story that you're you're very hungry and like determined to get it done. And like, you finally get these opportunities and you think it's the right opportunity for you. But then long behold,
1: the next opportunity is even bigger. Here's a funny thing that I always tell, tell people in like, you know, like talks that I do times, it's like, how bad do you really want it? Right. Because I think the illusion of what the business is or the end result is always very attractive. Right. Because you see the guy on like the yacht, especially now with social media, right? Like you see these things and they're so appealing to the eye that you're like, that's what I want to do. But do you really want to do that? Because if you really want to do that, then you're giving any and everything to that cause. Because if not, you're probably not going to make it in all seriousness, right? You know? Um, And I think that is it for me at that point, you know, was this was at a point where there were no digital, you know, you know, like there was no digital platforms. You yeah. No you know, social media. Play. Like, so was this the birth
0: of DGI management? This was the birth of Damon DeGraff. Mm, okay. Talk to me. Talk to me about now. How did Damon DeGraff form DGI management? Was DGI
1: that? DGI management came out of, I was, I created what was i guess you can call it now i mean it's still the same, but which was kind of like the celebrity dj round, right where um as i mentioned it was d'angelo and it was mark runson everybody was on d'angelo at the time it was his second album it was the untitled album and you know my role in that time was i was the young kid right i was at the beginning um, and i just felt like i needed more right because in my mind especially having dealt with all this adversity and, you know, kind of jumping over these hoops to get to where I had to get to, I wanted something that was my own, right? And I think at the time, Mark Ronson was a young, aspiring producer and DJ. And it was at a time when, ironically, that Puffy was starting to merge into the downtown scene of, doing parties with Martha Stewart and doing these things in the Hamptons that wasn't really traditional for black people or for rappers at that point. Right. You know what I mean? And at that true, time true. it was like Mark or Master Flex or Mark and Kid Capri or yep, you know, yep. Mark and Aston So like Mark was kind of like the DJ that segued between, you know, let's say hip hop and corporate culture and downtown culture at that time. So I think in being his DJ, or being his manager, it allowed me to put me in a position where I saw the opportunity. I saw the opportunity to connect dots in a space that wasn't what it is today, right? You know what I mean? I I mean, at that time, Mark was doing three or four jobs a night, so I looked at that as being, oh, and like I said, back to a lot of the things that I might've taken for granted earlier, A lot of the things that were taken away from me, a lot of the things that I had to learn prepared me to understand this opportunity. So I think from there, I was able to kind of um, create this whole DJ space. And, you know, at the time it was was Damon because it was a lot of Damon's relationships, but I was doing it under Chiba Sound at that time. Um, Eventually... Like, you know, I mean, things, it came to a point to where there was a decision that had to be made based off of some things that had happened. And I was on my own, right? You know, Um, and that, again, was a kind of turning or was a crossroad for me because in my mind, I was always a boss, but Mm -hmm. now I had to be a boss, Right, because there was no other option. You had to give yourself. Right, you know what I mean? Like it was like my opportunity or my safety net was taken because the job was no longer there for me, based off of me not wanting to comply to what they wanted me to be. And to be honest, this was the greatest decision I ever made in my life because you know it could have gone either way, right? It could have gone where it was like, well hey, you know, all your artists or all of that's gone. But I knew that the relationship that I had was so foundational that I was willing to bank on myself at that time, right? You know, mm. and I think that's how DGI it was formed. I had to face that. And it was a gamble that I would take again every day because I always bank on myself. And I think to come back to when we talked about you know, the Caribbean and yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, the pride, yeah, the culture
1: that's what that came back to because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're not gonna play me or disrespect me if I know my worth so knowing my worth, I'm willing to gamble on my worth and if I fail, then that's
0: just at least you gambled on yourself right? Yeah, that's a big thing. You gamble on yourself, you know, you gamble on something else, you know, and you lose, obviously the the frustration is there. But the biggest investment, as you know, a lot of the guests have said, you know, is is the investment in yourself. So you're like, look.
1: And it's funny because I actually saw something that Khaled had said recently where he was like, you know, he had put his mortgage and things like that on or for his life, but he knew it would come back because he knew the power that he had to gamble on himself. And I think mm-hmm. any time that you can hustle and be a hustler, I still look at that today. I'm like, if I lost it all today, I would make it back. And mm-hmm. I believe that to mm-hmm. cure within myself, because that's the belief and that's the power that I know that we possess and that I possess, right? And because I do that, I will never let nothing or never let anybody take me off my mark because I know what I've done, and I know what I can do, and I know what I can continue to do. So mm. that's how we started. Mm. it was. It was formed. I had no business plan. I had no anything. I just knew, dude. They threw you overboard. What you gonna do, right? I swim.
0: You got to swim. You got to swim. And
1: You know, some people say, I I could be back in Bermuda, you know, married with six kids, you know, I'm sure I'll be doing something fly, but it just, but that wasn't it. it. It wasn't Damon. You know what I'm saying? And and
0: it just goes to show you, they you know, we, you know, individuals might think, you know, especially when you're in corporate America, you know, you think like, OK, this is the big dream. You came from the Caribbean, you're in corporate America, you're making corporate dollars. But we forget sometimes that like you could be easily, you know, dismissed and start all over again you know and just because you were in one corporate arena and you move to the next doesn't mean that your your salary stays the same doesn't mean that your position stays the same doesn't mean that you know your titles and your roles stay the same it's it's a totally different environment so you just got to constantly keep doing that but when you go into business for yourself you're taking a, a, a massive risk but for you to to know that like coming here you finally had that that job that your mother or your family Caribbean culture would probably want. They're like, oh, he's in corporate America. He's doing what he loves, but he's in corporate America. But then the role switched up. It's like he's he's he has to do it for himself. And you've, you know by far have made an, a massive impact on the music industry Um, in all the various different venues, venues, artists, DJs you work with, you know, you've definitely inspired a lot of people. And something I, I, I question I want to know is like, what are some of the qualities you look for in like an artist or a DJ that, that really wants to work with you?
1: You know, that's, 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 that's a very good question. And it's, it's acts quite a bit, I think on, um... A lot of it comes down to a lot of how I think about myself and kind of what I mentioned before as as well, right? It's like how bad do you really want it? I mean, there's a million talented artists out there. There's a million people who are talented that will never make it, right? You know there's a lot of people who aren't as talented that do make it because they have that drive or they have that like, "I need this, I want this, right And whether that comes from a place of adversity or just from, like, that's something that's instilled in them, I would say those are probably some of my most delightful clients because we're kind of working together in that space, right? It's not that of, like, oh, I hope you make me famous, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's that, like, I need this and I want this. What are we doing, right? You know what I mean? And, like, that's probably one of the key traits that I really look for in artists like it's what's really your level of hunger because it's not an easy business right i think more so than anything now everybody wants to be in it right i think because of the digital age it's even a lot more easier to be seen or you know i mean as much as there's good stuff there's a ton of bad stuff too right you know what i mean but i think but but the digital platform allows anybody to be within the space. So if you're not willing to give it your all, then I don't really know how much like we have to really work together on, like right? because then that means I want it more than you want it, and I'm not the one that has to sell it. Like you're the artist; you have to sell it. You have to be about it. So I would probably say that's probably one of my real key ingredients when looking at artists or DJs or people to kind of work with, you
0: know? mm -hmm. Now, when you first started, I mean, obviously, you faced a lot of obstacles, like building your company. But like, more importantly, and I think about it um, as an immigrant, you know, migrating from Bermuda, coming over here, building the company in the States, like how competitive or how hard was it, you know, growing your business in this industry?
1: Oh, I mean, you know, it's... I mean, business is competitive, right? You know, Um, I mean, I think luckily for me, I played sports growing up. So I'm super competitive, but I'm kind of like the quiet competitive guy, you know? Like I'm not going to talk trash and do whatever, but there's like this burning hunger in me that just has to win. Like, you know what I mean? Um, And I think, you know, that's that was just really part of, My drive, I mean, obviously there were other DJ companies and things that are coming up um, or that came up during that time that went away. There's some that are there now. I mean, you know, it's, that's life, right? I feel like life is about competition, Um, but I embrace it to, it kind of drives me and motivates me to continue to do and be and continue to wanna be, right, you know? And I don't think I'll ever lose that competitive spirit. Like that's just it, like I compete for Uno games.
0: You know? <laughs> Let's take it back to when we was playing dominoes. You was real competitive with the dominoes,
1: exactly. You know, I, mean, I, um, my one of my nephews now he's actually doing really good in business, and I equate that to how much times I whooped on him in Monopoly because I didn't ease him up. I'm like, if we playing, that we playing, like, you know what I mean? So that, that is true. That is true. And you know, it's it's those types of games.
0: I, I you know, growing up as a kid, like you know, we might have just thought it was a game, but it, it really was teaching us life lessons. And oh, I think yeah. that your your mother did a wonderful job in helping you understand like the value of like if you're going to do this, honey, like you got to go full out. You right. You got it. You got to play full out. And I think she embedded that in you from from jump before you actually even, you know, came over to the States. She was like, look, I give me the proposal. That's first off. She told you to put a business proposal together before you even really knew what a business proposal was. Right. You had to give a whole presentation before you even left your home to go somewhere that you wanted to go, you know, and and actually be successful in and. um, you know, to see that happen and manifest like over the like listening to your story, hearing it, how it's manifesting and, you know, the things that you had to do, the obstacles. Like I know there was like a breakthrough, right, in this industry when you realized that you were like great at what you do. Like what was that? Was that working with an artist? Was it a tour? Was it a show? You know, I know you had a lot of great places. You traveled all around the world. Right. So I can only imagine there's a lot of uh, breakthroughs within it. But like, is there one that you could think of?
1: I mean, there's a lot of highlights, but, um, but I think one that really brought it home for me was, um, was right before COVID. I was, I was meeting some friends at, um, Neuer house in New York city. And a friend of mine asked me, so, um, now I'm currently doing quite a bit of stuff in the Caribbean space because I think for me, um, it's something that I wanted to kind of gravitate like towards, right? Or back towards, because at the end of the day, I'm an island boy, right? You know, through and through. And I just felt like in being in this position to kind of learn kind of all of these things that we've talked about, even through this, um, I wanted to kind of give back to that, right? Because I feel like there's other people that are like me that don't have opportunities that are talented, whether it's from an executive standpoint to musical standpoint. Um, so I started managing an artist by the name of Cass, who's like the biggest soca act out of Trinidad. And a friend of mine was like, well, you know, like, how did, like how did that come about? And I was just like, oh, I don't know, just one day we were in a meeting talking about me managing him, right, you know? Um, I guess a friend had connected us, and he was like, wow, like, he's like, you know, like, that's what you would really call your 10,000 hours, right? You know what I mean? And I really felt that in a sense of the, the conversations or the things now are a lot different from when I started, right? And, you know, back to what I said when, you know, there were those different kind of, um, you know, checkpoints within my career, if I wouldn't have lost that job at Universal, if I wouldn't have been rejected all those million times, if I wouldn't have had to go through, you know, being fired and doing this and doing that, those are all real key learning points for me to be able to be at this point now to have a gang of understanding, a gang of knowledge to be able to have a real conversation with a top tier level artist. Right. You know what I mean? And I think aside from all the other great parties and cities and countries that I've been to, I think that for me was really what brought it home for me because it was like, wow, like, you have been doing this for a while, you know, you are respected in what you do and being at that point of where people are kind of recommending you to people to manage. It's a lot different than me just trying to take an artist from zero or trying to put my hat in a ring of other people that I'm trying to do whatever, because I want to make that happen. It's like, no, you should talk to this guy because I think he can help you with your, with your, career. So I think that for me was probably a real defining moment in my career and really kind of like, you know, kind of like applauding myself, right? Because I say this a lot. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Um and this is in the most humblest way ever, but I think we should applaud ourselves for our accomplishments, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know what I mean? I and I think there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with saying you know what, like, I've done a great job at doing this. Well done, Damon. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's more that I want to do and more that I want to, uh, to accomplish, but I take pride in, like, doing that. Like, you know, like, that's why when I just got the award from the Brooklyn School of Music, like, I took pride in that because I'm like, wow, like, all of these years, and I mean, it's been, you know, I mean, I've had my company yes. for, like, over 26 years, So all of these years of blood, sweat, and tears, right, has brought me to points of where people are acknowledging me for what I've contributed to culture, right? So in saying that, like, those are my biggest accolades. Like, those are the things that make me feel good about where and what I'm doing within my life and within my career.
0: Dang. The fact that, like, you said 26 years, Right. And something that, you know, you started off and just in the Caribbean, in Bermuda, and you're like, I'm going to do this. Like, it just goes to show how many years it has taken for you to even get to a point where you're at a place where people are now saying, let's refer people over to name it. Like that took that. That is like that to me as an artist or someone within the industry, that's like one of the biggest compliments or biggest rewards you could get when someone now is like instead of you always looking for the business. People are now like, no, we got it. You got to go to Damon. You you got to go to that guy because that guy he'll definitely put you on. He'll de- he has the right tools, the resources, the knowledge. So that just goes to show the amount of effort and work. Now I know in this industry, there's always those moments where we get the self doubt where we're like, oh my gosh, like this is, and you've been a lot of ups and a, definitely a lot of downs. Did at any point in time in your career, did you say to yourself like, yo, this is not for me, I should choose something else, or like I got to jump off this ship to go to, you know, maybe this managing my own business is not where it needs to be? Never.
1: Mm. Not okay, let's get it. Not once. I mean, this is something that I've always wanted to do. And I said, this is what I'm doing. Right, you know, um, yeah, I haven't thought once, I mean, have I thought of jumping out the window times because I've been frustrated? Many times, <laughs> right, you know? But okay. in terms of like quitting and doing, like I'm not a quitter, like I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't quit. I think going back to my competitive side of like things, like I might not be the most boastful person but I'm definitely not a quitter. I don't believe in quitting. Mm-hmm. And it seems- me, it's always been this. It's it's always been what I've wanted to do. And I think in doing that, you know, now it just opened up other opportunities and other things for me to continue to do or be. So if for some reason at some point, you know, the management thing stops, it's still part of kind of like my global ecosystem of kind of connecting dots and doing the things that I want to do within this business. But yeah, I've never thought of quitting. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. Now, if you incline from the intern to where you are right now, owning your own business, it's something that you know we I talk about um, in previous episodes with a lot of our guests has been like diversity and inclusion. Right. I really want to know your opinion on do you think that there are enough executives with diverse backgrounds within the music industry?
1: Um, just to some extent. Right. You know, I mean, I think one, it depends on what industry we're talking about. If it's if it's just music, um, I think there is. But I also think it's what level are we talking about? Right. You know, like are there black CEOs? Running record companies, I don't think there's that many. I don't really have an accurate count on it, but I think are there a lot of Blacks making money in the music business at this time and creating their own businesses and their own entities? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think so a lot.
0: I, I get you on that. I, I see, I see.
1: But, Not- man, I don't know. I, I don't think we're running you know, universal, right? (laughs) But are we creating our own and, you know, creating our own narratives within? Yeah. And I think we're kind of smarting up to the fact of what those business opportunities are even for us in that space as well, right? You know, Where where I think before... We didn't know or understand that. I think we only thought that it was one way, right? You know, oh, well, I have to get this job here and hopefully I go up the chain or I have to sign this record deal and I have to do it this way. I think now, you know, especially for things that are, I would say that are cultural for us, I think it's interesting as well because we know it, right? So when we know it, then we know how to create it, then we know how to do and be about it. So I think it's giving us a lot more, um, you know, kind of room and space to understand that because I think a lot more people are navigating and understanding what has to be done and what can be done, because if you don't wanna give me the opportunity, then I'm gonna make the opportunity for myself. That's true. That's true. But you got to be you got to
0: be built like you got to be built to, for that or you have to grow to be like that. You know, that's a that's a very hard thing to do. Like, I, you know what? You're not giving me the opportunity. I go make it on my own. You know, some people just don't have that confidence to kind of jump into that. But having good mentors, having good coaches, having a good support team, having the, uh, the research and the tools prior to that. Could help in those in that decision process. And I I, I saw something about you uh, something a new venture that you, you you're diving into, um, No Man Curse, I believe. And I, could you tell us a little bit more about what that is and like what are you looking to accomplish by doing so?
1: So the No Man Curse was actually formed during COVID. Um, I went back to Bermuda. Actually, I was in Jamaica for my birthday. Came back. The airport was like a ghost town. I was like, wait, what? What? Like, you know, like, because I wasn't thinking about COVID in Jamaica. Come back. I turned the news on. It was exploding. So I'm like, oh, I'll go back to Bermuda for two weeks. It'll be over. They'll fix it. And I'll be back. Ended up being in Bermuda for two years. Um, And at the time, you know, I... I I didn't know what was going to happen, right? I thought I might've been in Bermuda forever, right? You just didn't know, right? The way that they were kind of setting this up to and be, and especially how you view news in the Caribbean, you thought that like, it was over, right? You know, I was like, man, this is it. Um, But I think through there, it really gave me the opportunity, one, to sit in silence, because, you know, the music industry was pretty much shut down. Um, so it allowed me to sit in silence, but it also allowed me to kind of get rerouted at home and in culture. Right. You know, and I think for me, it won was what I needed, I think, because I was always flirting with the idea of wanting to do more, as I said earlier, in the Caribbean space. Right. Um, having cast but wanting to do more with other artists and like really dive into that space a lot more because that's what felt great and amazing to me and I think I was at a point in my life of where it's like I truly knew and was getting to the point of understanding exactly who Damon was as a man right and so being home I was like wow like you know like I'm just kind of just in the spirit and the energy of like island life. And within that, I was just, you know, I was starting to just kind of create and kind of write down some, like some things that I wanted and just really got into really understanding myself more. And a friend of mine, actually, that I had done parties with maybe 20, almost, I don't know, maybe 30 years. No, well, not that long, but like 20 plus years, um, ago back in new york as i was just starting starting out a guy by the name of kenny McAllister or kenny mack um he had called me and he was like yo you should do this line because i had put out a line with an artist that i represent by the name of noise cans i had put this march line out with union which is a, um it's a kind of like a streetwear brand or well brand and clothing store out of l.a but they've put on, you know, everybody from Jerry Lorenzo and Fear of God to Virgil and Off-White to any pretty much dope up and coming um, or now even big clothing line. He had put those on. Right. And they were all of our friends. So he put the line up for me. The line did well. The line sold out. So Kenny called me and he was like, yo, like, you should do this as a line. And I was like, yeah, but we're talking about it. And he was like, no, like, Damon should put out a line. Because as you know, you know, I'm always on my style and my fashion vibes, right? So I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So we started or came up with the concept of no man curse. And that's based around the Caribbean saying, who God ja bless or who God bless, no man curse, right? And so that is pretty much just like this universal understanding of love and unity amongst all right it's like we're blessed people and so out of that we formed um it's a caribbean lifestyle brand that kind of has or not kind of but has four pillars so it's music it's food it's experience and it's clothing right so we started um in partnership with the soho house We started a once a month pool party at their downtown location, and we started doing or giving away free pieces of merch with every drop or with every event, right? So now it became this thing where it was like, oh, each time it was a different piece of clothing, but for us it was building community, right? So we didn't mm-hmm. mind being and being because I'm like, I just don't want to sell, right? You know what I mean? Like, let's allow people to feel the vibe and feel the energy. I would DJ, we'll invite our friends, we'll bring other guest DJs to kind of come in and out. Um, and then from there, you know, actually next month, it's coming up on our year anniversary, pretty much. And with that, we're going to drop our first installment of what we would sell, or for of building our community, right? So with yeah. that, you know, yeah. it's giving us again back to nothing comes easy. We had to kind of build the audience and build in a space. I mean, obviously, there were goals of well, let's take it straight to Union, but it was like no, well, let's really build it and let's build the process through. You know, we partnered, as I said, with Soho. So then we did an activation with them for Coachella. And then mm-hmm. so that allowed us to bring two or three Caribbean artists that had never been to Coachella. We gave them the opportunity to perform because we had a stage there. We did a march piece with that. We did a partner collaborate um or we did a collaboration with Soundcloud where they kind of um followed us and gave each one their own playlist and um you know kind- of like did so it's A lot, as I said, moving back into me wanting to be Damon in this Caribbean space Mm -hmm. and getting more in that space. So it's almost like manifesting this new chapter of my life with that, right? You know, so out of that has also come No Man Curse Presents, which is almost like my golden voice presents who does Coachella. So now we do kind of live performances or concerts with these artists right um and Mm. again it's giving the caribbean audience and kind of um music industry and artists the space to be able to create or to be able to be because not a lot of them have that right you know what i mean um so yeah that's pretty much it in a nutshell um but it's awesome it's it's really been a really great opportunity to build because for me I'm a creative at the end of the day, right? Yep, you know? that's right. So I would like to build. Like, I think the most exciting part for me is the build, you know? And I think, you know, to go back to what we talked about earlier, all of those things that I learned 25, 26, almost 30 years ago, I'm still using today because that's knowledge, that's game, that's understanding, right? You know what I mean? Like, and I think... And still being able to be here, I mean, it's a blessing. Obviously, it's God, um, you know, that I think has given me that opportunity, but I also think it's the understanding of every, as I said, of every great thing that's that's happened, but also every downfall that's happened. I've been able to kind of use that as fuel and as knowledge and as understanding to still contribute and offer to people today, you know, and still to myself, right? Because I feel like I'm I'm like, I'm like excited uh, uh, again about creating something new and being a part of of of, of like something. I feel like I was back when I was trying to get started. Like you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like that energy again in what I'm giving to these projects.
0: And that's a, just a beautiful thing again, like you said, like just your creator, you know, and and be you will always be created. And I feel like the more you create, the more you get to f- like the the vibration of you grows even more because you're like it's everything I ever dreamed of. You know, it's like being that little childhood, you know, kid, you know, dreaming of something and it actually coming to fruition and, and being right in front of you. You know, I think yeah. that's very important. So one of my last questions I want to ask you, Damon, is just that I know obviously you've given a lot of gems and you talked about a lot of great things today. And I really appreciate you being vulnerable and opening up about a lot of those goods and bads, but like, what is an advice you would give to like a young child, you know, young student, you know, coming up in the game, who's going to move from the islands and, and and hear this interview. Like what are some of the things
1: that you would share with that individual? Understand or get to understand one, what you want for yourself. Right. Cause I think there's a lot of times when, Whether it's parents, whether you think you can't do it, any one of these things kind of varies you from kind of wanting to put that energy into your career, what you think it is that you want for your life. And I would say, really study that and really understand that, right? You know, like I think for me, as I mentioned, having, let's say, a puffy as a role model at that time. I studied everything that he did. I studied a lot of the greats in that space, right? You know, and I would say get familiar with the people that are doing some of the things that you want to do and really look to kind of like emulate some of those things, right? Because obviously people have I look, everyone's story is different, but I think it's a lot the same. I like to think in terms of we all that have been successful have had struggle and hardship that we've had to go through, right? Yeah. And I would say like really, really look to understand what it is that you want for your life. Because a lot of times, like I said, I think people just look at the end result and think that, well, 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 shoots. Don't seem like it's working, so I'm gonna go about my business and this isn't it. And I that mean, that, that, that wasn't really it for like you. Because this is all that I saw I had to study and be about that on a regular basis or every day because that's what I wanted. I didn't have any other way at that point. I didn't have a choice, right, you know? So I would really say that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, look, don't be afraid to... I say this in Bermuda a lot, and I know everyone's circumstances are a lot different, but I honestly think that you have to kind of leave... Where you're from sometimes, right, to really kind of give it that extra push and that extra drive, like because if I wouldn't have left Bermuda, I wouldn't be where I am today, and look, not everybody is as fortunate, so I don't want people to say, well what do you mean I can't you know what I mean, but look there's ways and there's means, and I think that comes down to the sacrifice, right you know like that comes down to you know, I was living in a basement apartment in Kanasi that was the size of, like, a matchbox, right? But that was part of my story. That was my hustle. That's what I had to do if I want. Like, I wasn't living how I'm living now. Like, I wasn't, yeah. you know, and I still don't think I'm living in how I want to live because there's still goals and things that I want for myself still to today. That doesn't stop. But I think just being able to take and make the sacrifice I think more than anything, and whatever's going to be one sacrifice, it's really making and needing to give and really sacrifice, you know? It's funny because I remember, you know, without talking too much, but I remember at the Institute of Audio Research, this guy came in once and he was giving us this talk. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, it's like this business. It's about sacrifice and it's times and, you know, you can't have girlfriends and you're going to lose people and friends. I was like, whatever, dude, you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> what? What? When I got in it, yeah, it, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. it's just like it's like, what do you want to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I think a lot of times, again, we look at the end results. Like, well, Puffy's on this yacht and he's got all these women and he's doing all of these things. But look at the early side of it, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, look at how many sleepless nights. Or, you know, like, look how many times someone might have slapped on somebody's couch or how much time, you know, like, it's, we don't really know these stories, but I know that it is sacrifice. And I would say probably 99% of people that have really become successful have had to deal with sacrifice,
0: you know? And yeah, it's, it's what you it's what you're willing to sacrifice, you know. And I think that throughout your journey, you have sacrificed a lot, you know. And obviously, the first big sacrifice wasn't even through you; it's was, it was your mother, you know, sacrificing having her son being with her and uh, growing up in the in in the the community that you guys were, you know, flourishing in. She was like, oh, you know what I. I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna sacrifice this, my the way I feel, to kind of make sure that he does his thing. And I think over the many years, you've definitely sacrificed uh, a lot of things in order to get to where you get. And you know, you're gonna with those sacrifices came some good and some bad. Obviously, you lost that out on some jobs, you know, but it, it made you stronger. It made you the person that you say that you that that you are right now. And I think that when you say it didn't make you the man, it made you Damon. And I felt like that's a very strong thing. Like, yeah, anyone could be like, yeah, it may be the man I am today. But, you know, when you say something that resonated with me, you're like, no, it made me Damon. Like that, that's like powerful right there. So Damon, I just want to, again, thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and um, the Zaka community for just being on this um, podcast today and really just opening up and being vulnerable and sharing a lot of you know, the goods and the bads, because it's things like this that really are the eye openers for a lot of people. And because you're in the industry, a lot of, you know, immigrants might be or first generation immigrants might be feeling like, I want to get into the industry, but like, how do I do? But I think after listening to this podcast, if, if you don't know, I wouldn't gonna say now you do know. So, Damon, thank yeah. you so much for your time and uh, your inspirational words throughout this uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, no, thank you guys. For having me, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk, you know, one with, you know, my brothers, but also to share knowledge, um, you know, for anybody that finds anything that I said interesting, you know, like, I think if it's, I always say, if it's one person that can gain something from what I've said, then I'm happy, you know, so (laughs) thank you for having me.
0: To the listeners, if you want to hear about more inspirational stories like Damon, please check us out on ZakaConnect.com. Follow our social at ZakaConnect and follow our feed, Zaka, wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, Damon, thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you.